June 24th, Acts chapter 15, verse 36, through chapter 16, verse 15. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's return to each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord, to see how the new believers are getting along. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly, since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not shared in their work. Their disagreement over this was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and the believers sent them off, entrusting them to the Lord's grace. So they traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia to strengthen the churches there. Paul and Silas went first to Derbe, and then on to Lystra. There they met Timothy, a young disciple whose mother was a Jewish believer, but whose father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, explaining the decision regarding the commandments that were to be obeyed, as decided by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew daily in numbers. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia, because the Holy Spirit had told them not to go into the province of Asia at that time. Then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not let them go. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the city of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. He saw a man from Macedonia in northern Greece pleading with him, Come over here and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, for we could only conclude that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We stayed there several days. On the Sabbath we went a little way outside the city to a river bank, where we supposed that some people met for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had come together. One of them was Lydia, from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She was baptized along with other members of her household, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am faithful to the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we did. Today we're reading from Psalm 142, verses 1 through 7. And this is another of David's cave psalms. It's filled with assurances, the kind of assurances you and I can use today. You can claim these assurances when you find yourself in a difficult place. There are some principles in this psalm we'll learn. Principle number one, God hears your prayers. Now there are times when prayer is worship, and there are times when prayer is warfare. In the heat of the battle, pour out your heart to the Lord and tell Him how you feel and what you need. Turn that cave into a holy of holies. Another principle is God knows your path. David walked in God's will. 
But the enemy lied about him and set traps to catch him. Walk with the Lord a step at a time, and He will see you through. Next principle we'll learn in this psalm is the fact that God feels your pain. David felt completely abandoned, but he knew the Lord was with him. When you feel like nobody cares, remember that He cares for you. God is your portion. That's the next principle. If you have God, what more do you need? One with God is a majority, so be wholly satisfied and confident in Him. And finally, God will be praised. It may not look like it now, but one day your trials will turn out for your good and God's glory. So start praising Him now by faith, and you'll be tuned up when the answer comes. One of the evidences that we are not drinking Jesus, either because you're an unbeliever and you've never even tasted, or because you're a believer and something has begun to lure you to another fountain, starting to go there, or you've just blocked him out because you've got some hidden thing you want to keep doing or whatever, one of the evidences of not drinking deeply from Jesus is the instability of constantly moving from one thing to the next, seeking to fill the void. You may be going through sexual partners. You may be going through friends. You may be going through jobs. You may be going through churches, just one after the other. You may be going through hobbies, internet stuff, hobbies, games. You may be going through hairstyles. You may be going through wardrobes. You may be going through cars. You may be going through locations of where you live. Because there's no deeply contented identity in Christ. Deeply contented, deeply satisfied. That's what water means. Living water is your soul is a cavern of desire. And I offer myself to you, Jesus says, as water that lives. It becomes a well. It just satisfies day after day. You get up with hungers and longings and soul achings in the morning. Come to me and you'll find stability of contented identity. And then you don't move around so much. Jump in here, jump in there, jump in here, jump in there. Crave, 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 crave. Nothing's working. Oh, don't you love people who are so deep with Jesus, they know where it's at, the water. They live by the fountain. 
they never go anywhere. They just live there. They're not jumping from job to job and wife to wife and girlfriend to girlfriend and job to job and car to car and hairstyle to hairstyle. They are so there. Here's the interesting thing about that. That sounds static, doesn't it? Baloney. It isn't static. Believe me, it isn't static. I don't mean that the Christian life with that kind of centered, deep, satisfied identity by the fountain, satisfied day after day, freshly with new water coming up from this friendship and this relationship. I do not mean this is static. There is a difference between confident movement of faith and craving movement of frustration. You got that? There is a difference between confident movement in faith and craving movement of frustration. Got to move because this is not working. Here, move, move, move. Or this is so working, I'm taking it. I got a plan. I'm making something in my life. I'm not wasting it. I am moving to China. I'm moving to Ukraine. I'm moving to Southeast Asia. I am on the way because I got my feet on a rock and there's a fountain coming up out of this rock and it goes with me everywhere. It's Jesus, not any geographical location. So don't, don't hear me say that the movement in life, you know, job to job and hairstyle to hairstyle and wife to wife and sex to sex and TV program to TV program, that the alternative is frozen. I got the fountain. You know that's not what I'm talking about. This fountain is really a moving fountain. It's like a waterfall. I've used that analogy before. Stay under it. It moves. <laughs> oh, Jesus is a mover. He's going to reach the nations. The fountain's on its way to the nations. You want to drink deepest? Go with him to the nations or the neighborhood. Psalm 142, verses 1 through 7, a psalm of David, regarding his experience in the cave, a prayer. I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before Him and tell Him all my troubles. For I am overwhelmed, and you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, You are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you treat me kindly. Proverbs 17, verses 24 and 25. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. A foolish child brings grief to a father, 
and bitterness to a mother.